Good morning. It is Wednesday, April 12th, and this is your Morning Cup of Joe with your hosts, JT and Tyler. Yeah, we're here today. I'm going to give you guys a little refresher, a little intro about what we do here with the Morning Cup of Joe. We're just two guys following the news, keeping track of what's going on throughout the U.S., throughout the world, some tech news here and there, maybe some space news. Who knows? We basically want to refer, you know, relay all this information to you guys so you can get a quick, concise bit of news, you know, three times a week. Uh, yeah, I just want to say we are not experts on any of these topics, so form your opinions on your own and don't let us influence what you want to say. We're going to kick off by talking about the Syrian situation that we've got going on a little bit. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson came out and said that the U.S. will punish those who commit crimes against the innocent anywhere in the world. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing because over the past couple days, there have been a lot of flip-flopping in ideas. During Trump's candidacy, he was always saying, putting America first, putting America first. And he even here still says, I'm not and I don't want to be the president of the world. I'm the president of the United States of America, and from now on, it's going to be America first. Um, So it's interesting to see those ideas maybe changing up a little bit. It's also interesting to see that some of the members of Europe, France, Italy, Great Britain, have come out and shown uh, just overwhelming support for what the U.S. has done in Syria, which is cool because that doesn't that hasn't happened since Trump has become president. The third interesting thing is that they um, kind of have been calling out Russia and its relationship with Syria, and that's there's a like that's kind of a, a sticky situation. So I guess I don't know where do you want to start here, Ty? Dude, I I think it's like almost a turning point for the administration in a way. At least for me, I definitely got the feeling once this whole, you know, the chemical attack happened and then we sent back the missile or the, um, yeah, the missiles to attack the airbase. For me, I got a completely different feel from the administration where, you know, beforehand they were very nationalistic and everything like that. And now it seems like even though Trump is still saying I'm focusing on America, I'm doing all this we're going out there and we're actually helping people in need, which is so great to see having these other countries that might've been losing faith in us a little bit at certain times are now, you know, praising us for our actions. It's, it's great to see this again and actually have togetherness throughout the world. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future because this isn't going to be a one and done thing. We're definitely going to be doing more with Syria. So do you think he's going to keep this update to? Do you think the outward focus of the administration and not just like staying within the U.S.? I think so. I think he will. I know he and I, but he's never going to admit it. He's only going to be, you know, America first, America first. Totally. But I think he's. That. Oh yeah. I mean, duh. He's the most stubborn person in the entire world. But looking in your, we're seeing a little bit more of a humanitarian side of Trump where he's kind of like, well, you can't, you can't let people get away with stuff like this. And I am a big fan of the fact that even though a bunch of European countries have said Trump's just so dumb, just because (laughs) he has done, done some stuff that is so dumb 
it's cool that they're finally saying like, oh, this wasn't a terrible idea. Um, what about what about this Russia thing, Ty? Um, Tillerson called Russia incompetent for allowing Syria to hold on to chemical weapons, and he also influenced or accused Russia of trying to influence elections in Europe using the same methods it employed in the United States. Um, so, I guess my question is: Do you think that this is showing that our relationship with Russia maybe isn't as close as it was before? as people maybe had thought. Yeah. I like, so I guess you could look at it two ways. There's, you know, it does sort of distance us from the Russia, I guess, state where, you know, the connection between Trump's administration, his campaign and Russia sort of is diminished when we do this since Russia and Syria are pretty close allies, basically that close enough where Russia was like, Hey, you need to invest or the UN needs to investigate this attack and make sure that it wasn't the rebels in Syria who planted this chemical attack, which is pretty crazy (laughs) because there's so much evidence that it was uh, Assad um, and actually the Syrian government. But yeah, that's the whole thing is like, it sort of diminishes their tie, you know, Trump's administration ties to Russia. Um, And along with this, um, the White House is also coming out and saying that Russia and Syria are together are basically trying to confuse the world over these chemical attacks. And what they mean by this is basically Russia is delaying confirmation on that it like that these attacks actually were from the Syrian government. And by doing that it sort of sort of clouds people's thoughts about who did who actually did this attack and who's responsible which i i mean do you think it's do you think it's syria <laughs> i i mean i think it's there's overwhelming evidence that there is syria i don't i didn't know that that was even a question um <laughs> yeah i mean i guess to the russians it is but i think to most other people um you know a, a couple of senior officials and stuff like that inside the white house said that you know it was syria and russia sort of trying to cover up for this I fucking can't believe. I can't believe it. Well, if because if for some reason the Russians are right here, that makes the United States look like such assholes for bombing the <laughs> the um bases in Syria. That's so true. Yeah, like I don't think the US would bomb a base without having enough information that it was the Syrian government. Right. And it's not like it's not like we it's not like president of Syria, Bashar al-Assad has been like a notoriously good guy and hasn't done things like this before. Yeah, I mean, only a couple of years ago he used a chemical weapon yeah. before, and then you know we thought all the chemical weapons were gone from Syria, but looks like they were hiding a few. Jokes on us. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, anything more with this? I, I don't really have much more to say on it other than it's it's getting really tense, it feels like, um, sort of between us, Syria, and Russia, where Russia needs to decide one way or the other who they're siding with, and then we need to decide what our foreign policy is. You know, like, is the U.S. going to sort of step in here and take a larger role, which do you think that's going to be something that happens 
I I think we're already involved. I think we're already too deep in that just because we launched those missiles, the missiles, <laughs> missiles, the missiles, the Michelin man. <laughs> just dropped him from a plane. He just bounced everywhere. He didn't do a whole lot of damage because he looks so <laughs> he, much like a powdered donut. He just threw tires in all their cars and they were driving so smoothly. It was great. The brakes worked. It was magic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're already we're already too deep in. I think that if I think that if anything were to happen further with this, that we we're stuck at this point in time, which that does suck totally agree with you i just wonder what the involvement or type of involvement will have is you know i doubt just because like i doubt that we send troops over because of how uh strong trump was on saying you know like america first and all this stuff and i think sending troops would be too strong of an effort so i think any involvement that we do have will be either through you know drones or missiles or some sort of like long-reaching um attack in some way interesting thought i would love for us to not send troops over there just because we know how well that happened or how well that worked last time we we went overseas with the middle east yeah we don't need this again but Let's move this back, back to the U.S. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about the Trump administration, so why not talk about them a little bit more? Um, I look like it's going to be Trump pretty much all day today. <laughs> Shocker. It sort of happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but what we have is, uh, like we talked about before, Ivanka Trump, Trump's daughter, actually got a role as a senior advisor within the White House. Well, recently... Her brother, Eric Trump, came out um, and was quoted in a paper saying, having Ivanka by uh, Donald Trump's side, I think, is what sort of provoked him to retaliate and send those missiles against Syria, which is kind of cool and kind of scary for a couple of reasons. So kind of like cool because I think Ivanka actually does have a lot of good influence where you know like i think she would make him think of something else where he might not listen and when when i say he i mean uh president trump he might not listen to other advisors just because he's shown to be super stubborn and only listen to himself uh but it's also kind of scary because she has influence and that's known but she has no foreign policy experience or any government experience so who knows if her influence is actually the correct influence. What do you think about Eric Trump coming out and saying, hey, Ivanka Trump is the person that can tell President Trump no? Uh, I I love the fact that there's somebody who can kind of make Trump rethink what he's doing. I hate the fact that it's Ivanka. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He could be just some, you know... Ten, like someone who's been in the government for a long period of time. That would be great. Yeah, I, I don't know why this guy can't build up the trust with somebody who maybe knows what the fuck they're talking about instead of his daughter who has recently gotten kicked out of every department store in the nation. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. It's true. Um, but yeah, to, to steal from you, Ty, I don't, 
what you told me earlier. I don't love that the Trump. It, it's just the Trump family in the in the office. It's you know he he keeps putting members of his own family in. Don't yeah. love that. Yeah, having like uh, well, we have Jared Kushner and Ivanka. Um, I mean, those are the only close relatives. But to have two of them as the senior advisors seems seems like a lot when they didn't have much experience beforehand in at least you know government affairs. Yeah, and I I, th- I mean this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I think we were talking earlier about how. Um, none, none of Trump's senior leader, leaders have ever even served in the government before. Thanks, Zach, for bringing up this point, by the way. Shout out um, to Zach. But yeah, not, I mean, none of them. Well, have. I mean, you got to think uh, Steve Bannon, no government experience. Uh, Kushner, none. Uh, Ivanka Trump, none. Um, Kellyanne Conway, I mean, she's been involved in government for a very long time, but... I mean, there's so much shakeup going on at the same time where, you know, people that did have good experience like uh, Michael Flynn, which, I mean, might not have been the best experience, but he still had a great amount of experience, is now gone. Um, His number two was also just released and resigned to, I think, some ambassador for somewhere else. I think Singapore. So, yeah, you're totally right. There's... Not much experience around him at the moment. Yeah, so I don't know. Take it, take it as you will. Whether or not it's a good thing that Ivanka is the one that can tell him to rethink his thoughts. I like that somebody's telling him what to do, or not what to do, but to maybe take a step back and think about it a little bit more. Maybe so, he'll start doing that with his tweets. You know, take a second, pause. Maybe I shouldn't send come this. Come on, come on, Ty. <laughs> Don't worry, he's still going to send it no matter what. But he's going to think about it a little bit more. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. We have we hear from a name that maybe might not be too familiar, but some of the cases he's worked on are pretty familiar. His name is Carlos G. Munez. Um, he is now, uh, Trump has announced his intent to nominate him as the general counsel to education secretary, Betsy DeVos. So interesting. Yeah. So he's going to work. He, he's a lawyer, uh, Carlos G. Munez, and he has worked. He actually worked with the state of Florida. Um, he worked with the Florida's attorney general, P- Pam Bondi, for three years. And before that, he was with the state of Florida during the Trump University lawsuits. So oh. he was Yeah. So so was this the lawsuit so he was representing the state when these lawsuits went through, not right. representing Trump. Right. Okay. Okay. Which kind of kind of weird because that didn't work out or it so what Trump didn't actually get sued because miraculously there were some checks written for some settlement checks I some think some settlement checks <laughs> that were written um huh it seems like seems like Trump and his friends uh you know Bill O'Reilly like to settle a little bit uh, a little bit he Trump 
actually settled for about $25 million in damages to the students of the New York Trump University. Um, the one in Florida, not as much. Um, his Trump's Charitable Foundation sent a check for $25,000 to Florida's Attorney General, Pam Bondi. And she accepted it, but like she says she can for some, I don't know, some weird, there's a lot of, a lot of sketchy things going on. So here. basically what I'm understanding from this is, or at least what I'm feeling is that this is sketchy because why would you, why would you hire someone who put down a verdict? I mean, who is the judge in the case where you were about to get fined or, you know, concluded that you were guilty? I mean, I guess they settled, so we can't say that they're actually guilty. But it seems like you wouldn't want that lawyer, that specific lawyer, to also be in your administration. Right. And so to make it even more sketchy, um, a more famous case for some, and maybe not a more famous case, but for people who pay attention to sports, Nunez was also the, he defended uh, Florida State University in the James Winston versus Erica Kinsman case. So the girl who said she was raped by James Winston in 2012. That's, it, it, it's a very large case. I don't know why this guy's gonna be on the education department. I don't know, but it sounds like he can be paid off pretty pretty easily. It looks like it. So he worked for the state and then he went to go work for well, I guess Florida State University is the state. So right. And then he was, for the past three-ish years, he's been in private practice. Hmm. I mean, I don't know a lot about this guy, but it looks like he, for a couple bucks, he'll do almost anything. <laughs> it's definitely good to put on the radar, you know, see what he's doing, keep track of him just in case some sketchy stuff happens. Um Trump definitely seems like he's trying to destroy the education department a little bit. But that's just my take. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on not... to other things that Trump might be destroying, um, mainly our government spending. Records are being set. He is he's going for the gold medal. He's, he's gonna try to beat destroying the records. <laughs> beat Michael Phelps in the next Olympics is what he's trying to do. Good luck. He's going to win all the medals for spending. So what we're talking about, Trump is actually on pace to outspend President Obama during his eight years of presidency. But he's out. He's on pace to outspend him in one single year. So, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So already Trump has spent around, I think it's around $21 million which is an incredible money amount of money. And over the eight years Obama traveled as president, he spent $97 million. So incredible that he is, you know, only a couple months in and really just ratcheting up the price of how much it costs for a president to move around. And the main, the main spend of this is his trips to Mar-a-Lago, which are costing... An incredible amount of money each time he goes down there. And the last thing I'll say about this is people are up in arms about it because he's cutting a ton from the proposed budgets. 
54 billion in a slash of non-defense spending. So he's basically cutting all of this money from all of these things like the EPA, Department of Housing, the State Department, which is kind of crazy. And then he's going and spending an incredible amount himself. Granted, you know, 21 million is not anywhere close to 54 billion, but it's still, you would like him to sort of have like a, a continuous flow of what he's doing where he's slashing, you know, his budgets and he's also trying to conserve money himself. What do you think about, well, let me ask you this. Do you think he's going to break this 97 million within this first year? No, I don't. I think he'll stop making these trips to Florida. I agree because with that. Because I, yeah. I, I mean, well, eventually he's going to have to go overseas. Eventually he's going to have to go visit with another world leader in another country. That's um, true. So I think eventually he'll realize that he can't keep making these trips to Mar-a-Lago. The one thing I'm kind of worried about, though, is that... Uh, First Lady Melania Trump does not, or Melania, or whatever her name is. Um, you got it. She does. She doesn't live with Trump in the White House. She lives in New York City. She does. And to keep them there and with Secret Service and everything, it costs about it costs about a hundred. It costs between one hundred twenty-seven thousand to one hundred forty-six thousand dollars a day. To protect her, and so until she comes back or she comes to the the White House, that's not gonna that's not gonna go away. That expense isn't; it's only gonna increase. That's incredible. That yeah. is so much money. Wow! And that's not even with Trump visiting. It says uh, Trump hasn't even visited New York yet as president. So I can't imagine if the president does go to New York how expensive that would be you know the most populated city in the u.s just security must be a nightmare oh i bet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it can't be good i mean it does it does go on to say in this article that trump is likely to stop going to mar-a-lago because right now it's you know in the spring it's not too hot but up in a couple months or a couple weeks it'll actually get too hot for him to you know continue to golf out there so he will likely go to his uh, apartment or his penthouse in Trump Tower or possibly go out to the Trump National Golf Course um, in New Jersey. So it looks like he might be taking a little bit of different vacations each weekend. Well, one thing I've noticed about all of these places is that they have his last name on it. That's very true. That's, that is true. I think I read somewhere that a... This might, may or may not be something that he's doing on purpose, but the annual membership fee of his Mar-a-Lago course has already doubled. I, I would think that would be intentional. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that I don't love. No, I, I don't think that that is... I mean, it definitely seems like it's using it to his own advantage for after the presidency or even for his family later on in life. But yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, people want to be where the president's at. So, you know, I guess no matter where, wherever he went, it would still increase the membership. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's hope he gets his shit together sooner or later (laughs) for the 
to he's put gonna it bluntly. Really cut back on that spending if he wants to go under Obama's, which I don't think he's gonna really care about too much. But who knows? Yeah. Let's see if he can reach a bill. Why not? All right. Got to got to win that medal. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> got some so, stuff outside the Trump administration. Finally. We've heard about Alabama's governor, Robert Bentley. Um, he was the one who, I don't know if you heard about this, but he said some stuff about the new Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast, because the one character in the movie Disney said was gay. So he decided that that movie was not allowed in their, in their movie theaters because, boy, we don't like gay people here. Um, so wait, anyway, wait, 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 wait. did he did he outlaw the movie in Alabama, or did I, he did he just say that it shouldn't be allowed in movie theaters? That's a great question. I I know he at least said it shouldn't be allowed, but I think he was like, "Hey, no way!" Wow, or, or at least tried. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty controversial tone to strike as a governor of a state. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on yeah. this guy. But what, um, do we, what do we got? What's the real news with this? He's officially resigned. Oh, because he has been accused of an affair with a political invi- advisor, and he used his power and his funding to cover up the affair. So he basically just stole a bunch of money trying to cover up this affair with one of his political advisors. Um, he's His wife has officially filed for a divorce. He owes the state something like $37,000. And he can't seek public office anymore. And that's about it. That's probably for the best. This is pretty shocking. I mean, just because you don't really hear too much scandalous news with governors uh, just because how high up they actually are in the government. So to sort of see one of these guys get forced out, you know, and then have to get divorced and never run for public office again, this is, it's big news, even though it's, you know, something that we probably won't hear about too much with all the other news that we have going on. Yeah. He, I mean, he'll, it'll be a big deal for, a couple of weeks and then it'll get swept under the rug. So who fills in for him? Do we know, you know, after he's gone in the next couple of weeks? Oh, good question. I think there's a, you know, there's probably a vice governor. Yeah. Something, somebody like that. And then they'll probably, you know, go till the midterm elections and then maybe, and then bring someone back in. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I, I actually don't know how they, how that happens, but I'm sure Sure, yeah. it's something similar. I'm sure they have a plan. Some, some, so somebody's filling in somewhere. So, <laughs> Alabama's not all lost. Yeah, but do you know who is all lost? Oh God, Sean Spicer <laughs> needs some help. He Sean Spicer does need some help. He needs a life raft or something. Is he okay? So, I mean, Phyllison, what, what was his? His big mishap that he talked about today. Oh, this this guy just can't catch a break. And in this one, he totally deserved it. So, so Sean Spicer is talking talking about the Syria situation and the Syria, you know, the chemical weapons were used and everything. And he made the mistake that he compared the 
Syrian president to Hitler, I, I guess, kind of. Um, number one rule, never number, talk about Hitler. Number one rule in politics is don't use the word Hitler. Are you kidding me? Um, he actually said, quote, you had someone who was as despicable as Hitler who didn't even sink to using chemical weapons. Um, I, I don't think that's true. I, this that's one hundred percent not true. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever heard of the Holocaust and what went on there, but it almost was exclusively chemical weapons. <laughs> I I wonder what he was thinking. I mean, I don't know. I guess he just had a brain fart and just completely forgot. But like going to Hitler, dude. Did he think they just use like swords and like? <laughs> I don't know. Like, how far back are we going? Maybe some cannons and stuff. Yeah, they're muskets. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, the so naturally the Anne Frank Center is not happy. We brought that. We brought them up before, but um, naturally they're not happy. They're saying that Sean Spicer should get fired. He probably won't get fired. Probably not. But, but I, I don't blame them for calling for his firing. I mean. As a press secretary, like, yeah, it it's really hard to be on message all the time. But something like this, something like saying something that a seventh grader, sixth grader would probably know, um, you know, as a press secretary, you should probably get that right. Yeah. And also don't bring up Hitler ever. <laughs> Come on. It just puts you in a bad situation where you could. It's just never a good, never a good thing to do. Yeah, uh, it was pretty funny if you if you watch the the there's a video of him making this statement. One of the one of the women in the audience kind of raised her hand and said, "Just to clarify, you said this," <laughs> and he immediately was like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much for for giving me a second chance to defend what I said." He also didn't do a great job at defending it. He said more of how they used the weapons. Was not Hitler-esque. I, I think that might have been his only out, though. I don't really know how else to... He sort of dug himself a pretty deep hole and then climbed, yeah, he, like, halfway out of it. Yeah, he wouldn't, cli- he wouldn't climb out of it. He was locked, <laughs> he was locked in there. <laughs> he was. You know who, who was, you know, trying to lock himself somewhere? What's that? Trying with the transition. It didn't work <laughs> out so well. <laughs> All right. Have you heard about this United... United Airlines thing going on. About the dude who got the shit kicked out of him because he didn't want to get off the plane that he paid for? Exactly. Yeah, reasonable. Best way I could describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know, you guys listening have probably heard something about this or seen the videos of it on Twitter or somewhere else. What happened was United Airlines overbooked their flight. So they filled up their flight realized that they had four employees that they needed to basically get on this flight so they could be used somewhere else, uh, wherever it was landing. So what they did was they basically offered up uh, $400 and a night in a hotel if there was anybody who would volunteer to give up their seat. No one gave up their seat, so they were like, okay, we'll give you guys 800 and a night in a hotel. It was like nobody gave up their seat again. You know, People really want to get where they're going. Obviously, since they bought these plane tickets. Right. So what they decided 
once nobody was volunteering, that they were going to choose four random passengers to remove from the flight. So they choose these four seats. Basically, two of the people get off, get to this this third person who is a doctor. Um, Actually, uh, I think he was a 59-year-old doctor. Um, He refuses to actually get off the flight. He doesn't want to leave. He needs to get to where he's going to help patients in the morning or something like that. Um, Or so uh, it was reported. But what happened was United sent two or three police policemen onto the flight to actually bring this guy off. He still refused. And at that point, they just, they kicked this guy's ass. They, he, he was unconscious and they were dragging him down the aisle of the plane. It was, it was a scary video to watch. Oh my gosh. I'm watching it right now. Holy shit. And like, I don't know, like in, his defense, I don't think he was in that wrong of like, hey, I bought this ticket and I want to stay on this plane. Um, the CEO actually came out and said yesterday, uh, actually two days ago, he came out and said, hey, this was our policy. Our employees were acting as they were told according to the rules that we have um, and all of this they, stuff. They should change their rules because I don't. I don't think they should have any rules that say if somebody doesn't agree to what you do, you should kick their ass. Yeah, is I that think... one of the is that one of the rules? <laughs> I don't, I I don't know what their rules were, but this doesn't seem like it was in accordance of their rules. And if they are, they need they need to be changed right now. But but he came out, you know, he was like, hey, this was all all within the rules. And then yesterday, uh, Tuesday, he actually came out again and was like, hey. Just kidding, we were wrong, and this was so messed up. You know, this should not have happened. I apologize. United Airlines apologizes. Um, and I'm glad he did that because there's a there's a big firestorm. There's a lot of people upset about this. Oh, yeah, and if he came out and said, no, what? There was nothing wrong with that. You, there, I mean, United would go under. I mean, they wouldn't, but people would still fly. But that's there's no there's people would gladly pay more money to not fly United. Oh, agreed. At least for you know a month or two, uh, there'd be a pretty decent boycott of them, uh, just because this was just such a insane thing. Especially because there were so many videos of it where. It didn't seem like he was too aggressive or anything. He was just sitting in a seat, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was like a huge fight, and they pulled him off the plane. Oh, my gosh. I can't I can't believe that that happened. I, when I saw it, I was just like, this can't be real. It was, it was shocking. Are you ready to move on to the best segment ever? Oh, it's my favorite segment. So... On the morning cup of Joe, we like to lighten up the end of the podcast with a little thing we like to call, I'm sorry, what? Where we find an interesting tidbit on the interwebs and basically let you guys know. So today we have <laughs> we have something. It's it's pretty funny. It's not as good as our normal. Uh President Carter. Uh back in uh the end of the nineteen seventies. Something happened when he was at a speech. He was actually giving a speech to a group of, 
I think Japanese speaking people. Okay. Yeah. Well, what happened? He was giving a speech and he decided to open the speech with a joke. So, you know, he comes out on the stage, says a joke, the whole crowd just bursts out in laughter, erupting in laughter. He was actually being he was using an interpreter uh, interpreter at this point. He talks to the interpreter after his speech. And he says, hey, why were they laughing so much? Like, how did you translate that? And the interpreter said, all I said was, President Carter told a funny story. Everyone must laugh now. (laughs) (laughs) What? So this crowd of Japanese-speaking people heard that and just, you know, impromptu, just laughter, just on the spot, which is just hilarious. (laughs) I can't. I'm sorry. What? Why didn't the interpreter say the actual joke? I don't know. Apparent. I mean, maybe it was too hard. Maybe this was just the best way to do it. Uh, or maybe he just thought that the president wouldn't care what he was saying. I guess. <laughs> Pretty funny. Everyone laugh now. <laughs> Zach, if you're taking, if you're listening today, this is something you should do once you become an interpreter. Wow, that's really funny. But uh, so great, great way to end the cast tie. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, uh, thanks for tuning in to your Morning Cup of Joe. Hopefully you learned something today, and uh, be sure to tune in on Friday. Everything is cool when you're part of the team.